There's an old saying that the way to make a small fortune in publishing is to start with a large fortune. And while the early days of publishing favored independently wealthy authors, things have changed at least a little bit over the years. So publishing is cheaper than it once was, but it's not free. Anyone saying otherwise is probably trying to scam you, <laughs> sad to say. Like in any business, it takes money to make money. But there are ways that savvy authors can save a lot of money. And if you want to learn what those clever ways to save money are, keep listening to this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. I have five money-saving strategies for you today, and the first one is to invest in education. The number one best way to save money as an author is to spend what money you do have on your education. This helps you in two really critical ways. The first is that it helps you avoid costly mistakes. I'm sharing a lot of old sayings in this episode, but there's a lot of old wisdom here that goes way before my time. <laughs> and the second old saying is that there's never enough money to do something right, but always enough money to do something twice. Or sometimes you'll hear this in, in the terms of time. In life, there are generally two ways to learn how to do something, the easy way and the hard way. The easy way is to learn from someone else before you try your hand at doing the thing yourself, to learn from the mistakes of others. The hard way is to learn from your own mistakes. <laughs> this gets very expensive very quickly. The longest path is the one filled with the most shortcuts. If you take the time to study first, you will find yourself successful much faster than if you rush in yelling, Leroy Jenkins! And yes, I realize that's a reference almost no one will get, but if you're one of the five people who did get that reference, sound off in the comments. That is one of the oldest memes on the internet. <laughs> this is my old man episode. Uh, the second way that investing in education helps you is that it allows you to do things yourself. There are a lot of things about publishing that sound difficult and expensive if you don't know how to do them. Creating an ebook EPUB file, for instance. There are people who may charge you hundreds of dollars to turn your book into an ebook. Hybrid publishers may charge you thousands of dollars, or with just a little bit of education, you can learn how to do it yourself in five minutes. <laughs> yes, the reason hybrid publishers like Westbo, Ex Libris, and Zulon can charge such ridiculous prices for ebook publishing is because authors lack the education to know how hard ebook file creation really is. Now, I should say something here when we talk about doing things yourself, and that is to value your time. Your time is valuable. It's actually a savvy plan to pay someone else to do something for you if that thing is expensive for you to do in terms of time. But there's a big difference between hiring someone out of ignorance and hiring someone out of a good understanding of what they're doing. One value of a good education is just knowing how much things should cost. Like, for instance, somebody offers to change the cabin air filter in your car for $100. Say no. This is something you can do in two minutes without even needing a tool. You just open up your glove box and put in the new cabin filter. A little bit of education saves you from paying money for blinker light fluid or what have you. The cheapest way to get a better publishing education is to 
listen to the back episodes of this very here podcast. <laughs> I've covered just about every aspect of publishing over the years, and almost all of the episodes are free. All of the episodes that you see in your podcast app are free. Now, every month, there's a bonus episode that goes to patrons only, but I've covered all the topics in the free episodes. <laughs> so you can also buy books, take courses, and pay for coaching. But seriously, this free podcast is a great place to start, and it will really protect you from a lot of the scams and from a lot of the ways to waste money doing things the hard way. And, you know, if you find the podcast valuable, if I have saved you some money over the years, perhaps consider giving some of that value back by becoming a patron. And you'll get access to the patrons-only episodes when you do that. Not just the new ones, but all the past ones that we've already recorded. All right. Money-saving strategy number two is to invest in the right tools. One way to save both time and money is to use the right tool for the job. Sure, you could write a book using Microsoft Word and its default spell checker. And this is like mixing bread dough using a hand whisk. It works. <laughs> or you could make use of a tool for writing books that's designed for writing books, like Scrivener or Atticus, and pair it with an AI grammar checker, like Grammarly or ProWritingAid. This is like using a KitchenAid mixer. <laughs> so if you're just making one book or just baking one loaf of bread, maybe doing it all by hand is okay. But if you plan to make a bunch of loaves of bread and you're mixing the dough with a whisk, your arm is going to get tired and you'll be tempted to take shortcuts and not mix the dough quite enough, which will make the bread lumpy and gross. <laughs> if you feel exhausted in your writing, it may be because you're using the wrong tools. Remember, your time is valuable. Each day you live is a day closer to death, and you'll never get those hours back. So spend them wisely. Also, when it comes to buying tools, it's not just about software. It's also about the computer that you use. I recommend that you buy a Mac to save money. And I can hear you saying, but Macs are more expensive. And they are initially. They cost more money up front, but they last longer and run faster than comparable PCs. Now, this is particularly true with the new Apple Silicon laptops that are just shockingly fast. And the really cheap ones, the MacBook Airs, have no moving parts, which means they should last forever. <laughs> There's nothing really to break down. So these are very rugged, very fast, and relatively inexpensive laptops. Just because something costs less initially, that doesn't mean that it's less expensive overall. And this is a really important kind of worldview element of saving money. Often, the very cheapest option is also the most expensive option over time. So let's say you're buying an ice cream scooper, right? So you could buy the cheap one for $5, and it breaks every year, and you're constantly buying a new ice cream scoop. Or you could spend $20 for a really nice ice cream scooper, the kind that will last for decades. One of my ice cream scoops I inherited from my grandmother. And you're like, $20 for an ice cream scooper? Why? It's like, well, if you're buying ice cream that's hard to scoop... Even the cheap one, even when it does work, it doesn't work very well. <laughs> and then it breaks. And you, you keep buying one over and over. And over time, you spend dozens and dozens and dozens of dollars for something you could have just spent $20 for one time. Same is true with the laptop. If you're the kind of person who always buys the cheapest possible laptop, it's never going to work very well. <laughs> even when it's brand new, it's still the cheapest possible laptop. And if you would be willing to spend just a little bit more, you'd actually spend less over time. Now, since more authors use Macs than PCs, there's another advantage to buying a Mac, and that is that some tools, like Vellum, only run on the Mac, 
while other tools like Scrivener run better on the Mac than they do on PC. PC users often have to wait years to get the features that the Mac users already have. Now, I should say that Atticus runs fine on the PC, but if you're buying a new computer and you can wait and save a little bit of money, it's better to save the money and buy the Apple next year than it is to buy the cheapest possible Windows PC this year. Now, I know I have a lot of listeners in the Pacific Northwest, and many of them work at Microsoft, <laughs> or they have family that works at Microsoft, and I always get hate mail every time I recommend PCs. But I call them like I see them. And I will say, I own a Windows PC. I built it myself, and I use it for gaming. And it's great. <laughs> I love it for gaming. But for work, I'm Mac only. All right, now let's talk about money-saving strategy number three. Wait for discounts. There's a concept in business called price discrimination. And this sounds bad because you know, racial discrimination is bad. But price discrimination is where people are charged different amounts based off of what they're able to pay. So wealthy people pay more money and poor people pay less money. You know, this goes back to the ancient vendors haggling in the marketplaces of old. If you come in, you know, in a nice coat and with jewels, the vendors and the merchants in the market are going to charge you higher prices. But that's not how we do it today. We don't haggle. You don't haggle typically. You know, I guess maybe if you're buying a Christmas tree, you're still haggling. But for most things, the price is the price. So how would a company charge some people less money than others? Well, they do it with sales and coupons, particularly inconvenient ones. So, for example, Black Friday tends to have incredible deals. But the best deals typically only take place in the morning of the Friday. <laughs> and the thinking is people with smaller budgets will go through the hassle of waking up early to get the big deal, while wealthier people will spend the day with their families or wait until Cyber Monday, where the discounts are not as good, typically. But it's not just Black Friday. Really, any kind of coupon or any kind of sale is price discrimination, giving you, the purchaser, the choice. Do I pay full price now or wait to see if there's a discount? Now, what makes this a little complicated is that some things go on sale often and other things never go on sale. If only there was a way to know which tools for authors go on sale. Oh, wait, there is. <laughs> it's my website, authormedia.social. One of the sections of authormedia.social is a deals page. And I maintain a list of all the current sales for authors, or at least the sales for the products that I feel good letting you know about. <laughs> so if it's a halfway decent product or, or one that I use and recommend, I make it really clear. Hey, I use this or I don't use this, but I've heard good things about. And here's what the deal is right now. And I spend a lot of time in author world. Like I stumble across a lot of deals and my listeners do a good job letting me know when something goes on sale. And the other advantage of this is that if you're about to buy something, and you're like, does this ever go on sale? You can go to authormedia.social and just scroll down on the deals page and see if it's ever been on sale before. So some programs like Atticus never go on sale, or at least the price never goes down. Whereas other products like Pro Writing Aid go on sale all the time. And so if you're thinking about buying Pro Writing Aid, you know, wait for it to go on sale. Right now, as I record this, it's 50% off. So this is a really good time to pay for the Pro version a pro writing aid. So if you want to save money, you know, go to authormedia.social and change your notification settings on that board so that when a new deal comes out, you can be notified right away. One of the nice things about authormedia.social is that each space, you can set the notification settings 
based off of your own preferences, right? So if you're looking for work and you're on the jobs board and you want to know as soon as somebody's looking for, you know, an editor or a website designer, you can do that. Or if you're not looking for work and don't care about the jobs board, you can mute it altogether. The same thing is true with the deals page. And the mentality you want to have here is that of a hunter, where you're very patient, but when the opportunity comes, you hop on it before it goes away. Money saving strategy number four is to avoid scams. The biggest cost for many authors is not paying full price for Microsoft Office when they could have gotten it for sale, which, by the way, Microsoft Office is on sale right now. You can get a lifetime license for it at a crazy discount. Uh, see authormedia.social for more. <laughs> I've got a link to a deal there in the deals page. But that's not the biggest cost. The biggest cost is getting snookered by a scammer. There are a lot of scammers in this industry, and I have several episodes to help protect you. One is how to spot a publishing scam. Another one's all about hybrid publishing, which most hybrid publishers are scams, and I go into the details in that episode. And the third one is what every author needs to know about cybersecurity. And that one gets into the kind of hacking version of the scams as well. Those three episodes will really protect you and could save you tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> but real quick, I want to give you three signs of a scammer. And the first is flattery. This is perhaps the biggest tool that publishing scammers use. And it works because publishing is an industry full of both rejection and insecure writers. So many authors are so desperate for praise that they rarely question the motivations of somebody who's telling them that their book is the next best thing. So my warning is, beware the flatterer, my son, the jaws that bite and the claws that catch. Beware the jub-jub book awards and shun the frimious hybrid publisher. <laughs> so hat tip to Lewis Carroll at the Jabberwock is probably my favorite or second favorite poem of all time. All right. So that's flattery, right? And I feel like this is all like advice your grandparents would give you. <laughs> um, we've, you know, the, the proverbs of old uh, warn you about flattery and Nothing has changed. People are the same. <laughs> but that's not the only tool that the scammers use. They also use worry. Scammers prey on your fears. They make publishing sound like it's this intimidating, scary thing, this impossible thing. You can only do it with their help. This works because many authors are already afraid, often because they lack a proper publishing education. The more educated you are as an author, the harder you are to con and the harder you are to scare because you know what's involved. Yes, it's a lot of hard work. And yes, it does require and involve some rejection. Not everyone's going to like your book. But if you're educated and you're in control of your own publishing destiny, you're not going to get preyed on, at least not nearly as easily. And the third is urgency, especially false urgency, a lot, especially interpersonal urgency combined with worry and flattery. Now, to be fair, not all urgency is bad, right? Deadlines do help us write and take action, right? If there's no urgency, some of us would never act. <laughs> we just keep cruising. But scammers tend to add artificial urgency to keep you from having time to make a considered decision. So anytime you're being pressured into spending a lot of money all at once, that needs to be a big red warning sign. And ask yourself, is this real urgency is the, is the reason for this real or is it not? And I will say, back when I was a literary agent, I only had one client that had any kind of true urgency connected with his project. And this was a author who had been booked for a big speaking event where he was going to present to 30,000 people on a very large stage in person. 
And that was real urgency <laughs> to get him published because if he didn't have a book at that live event, he wouldn't be able to sell anything in the back of the room and it could be tens of thousands of dollars left on the table. But for most books and in most of publishing, there's no real urgency. Now, that's in some ways a problem because you do need that urgency to, to be motivated. So of the three, flattery, I would say, is the biggest red flag. Urgency is the least red flag. But anytime you see these three being used together, take a deep breath, go talk to somebody, <laughs> go on othermedia.social and ask the other authors there, is this legit? <laughs> we protect each other from a lot of scams. Okay, now it's time for money-saving strategy number five, develop a marketable skill. Time is a scarce resource. The hour you spent on TikTok yesterday, you can never get that hour back. But the $10 you spent on a soy milk cappuccino, you can make those $10 back. In fact, you probably will. <laughs> so you don't have to save money the same way that you save time, even though you can exchange them for each other, right? You can work a job and make money, and you can hire somebody to do something and save time. Making money and saving money can have a similar effect. In fact, doing something that makes you money can give you money that you need to then hire somebody who saves you money. So uh, developing a marketable skill where you can get paid a lot of money on a per hour basis can help save you a lot of money because it allows you to hire and surround yourself with professionals. As you develop your marketing and writing skills, you are developing skills that people in the world are willing to pay for. And to help illustrate this, I want to share a testimonial that came in last week for my course, Obscure No More. My name is Rick Bell, and I want to give you a little background on me so you'll have some context for what I have to say. I'm currently a professional entertainer and a writer, and I recently purchased the Obscure No More program. I'm a strong believer in investing in courses from people who have done what you want to do. As a public speaker and teacher myself, I know how you can save many years trying to learn how to do something if you can just speak to someone, get some information from someone who's done it before you. When I first came across Thomas and his, his information, his courses, my first thought was, honestly, this stuff is more expensive than other courses I'd found. So I decided to look around a little more, and man, I'm really sorry that I did that. I should have just gone with my gut instinct, because my gut instinct at the time was, this is really good stuff, and I really like this guy. But I made the mistake of you know, trying to find something cheaper. So I bought all these other courses, but none of them really gave me the details that I needed and explained it in a way that would make sense. I want to say to anyone who is considering self-publishing a book, do not go any further until you get your hands on Obscure No More. I'm speaking as someone who's created courses, and I know the work it takes to produce the level of detail and quality you're going to find in this course. The information contained in the modules of Obscure No More is worth many times what you pay for the course. If you get nothing else from the Obscure No More course than the website building information, you will have well spent your money. Here's a story. One week after I got the course, I sold a website to a local business using exactly what Thomas teaches in the course. You see, if you've been away from building websites like I had for five years, many things change. But when I went in there and I saw the information he had, I thought, this is brilliant. 
So I simply applied that immediately to all the websites that I have. But then I went out and sold this. And that one website paid for the entire course. Now, I promise you right now, within a mile of you, there's someone wanting a website built. And all you have to do usually is mention to people in conversation, oh, by the way, I build websites. And you'll have customers coming out of the woodwork because this is a mystery to them. They don't understand how to do the website thing and all that online stuff. You can build custom websites. With the information, this is just an aside, that you're going to get out of this course, you can go out and sell it. You don't have to be a webmaster. It's, it's not that difficult. WordPress is very simple to use if it is explained to you properly. That's what Thomas does. He has a very unique set of skills that make him, in my opinion, the foremost authority on self-publishing marketing in America. I really believe that. He's an expert on WordPress because he was with a company that built websites for authors. And trust me when I tell you, your ability to build your own website and make changes when you want to make changes can take you to the next level in this business. My name is Rick Bell. Feel free to reach out to me if you would like to. I'm happy to talk to you straight up on it. Thanks. Thanks to Rick Bell for his kind words. And you can find him at rickbellwriting.com if you want to reach out. And I'll have a link to his website in the show notes, rickbellwriting.com. And I will say, Rick's not the only person who's making money right now using the website skills he learned in the Obscure No More course. But it may be you already have marketable skills. If you've been writing for a long time, especially if you're good at the editing side, maybe the developmental editing side, of this business, there are authors who need a second set of eyes on their manuscripts, and they are willing to pay real money to get that help, and that real money can go to you. If you're looking for work, don't forget, we have a free job board over at authormedia.social. You can post what you do, whether it's building websites for authors or editing for authors. The market there is specifically for authors. Obviously, Rick is building websites for small businesses, so he's using what he learned in Obscure No More and taking it into the business world, most people who go through the course and who want to make some money on the side are doing the work specifically for authors. And, and this is what I recommend in that it has an additional benefit in that by working for another author, either as a virtual assistant, a webmaster, or an editor, you're in the publishing space and it helps you learn publishing faster while you're getting paid for it. So it's a great win-win. So I encourage you, if you need money, skimping and saving can help, right? Getting deals can help. But ultimately, making money will help. So get a job. <laughs> if, that, if, uh, if you have time, you can uh, get a job and the job will actually help you. And I, I don't want to sound like a grumpy old man, but you kids these days, you need to get out, get a job, get your haircut. <laughs> uh, anyway, don't forget Obscure No More is coming out of beta at the end of 2022. So if you want to get the beta pricing, uh, you have until the end of the year. And I announced this a month ago. In early November or late October, now it's late November, and the deal will be going away at the end of December. So you have some time, but you don't have all the time. And you can use coupon code BETATEST at checkout to activate that discount. Happy Thanksgiving, live long and prosper, and thank you for listening.